the country or going anywhere? Yeah. Are you in Beth? Yeah. Where are you going? You're in a bar. Oh God. I get the feeling you're not videoing refugees. <laughs> well, I hope you have a good time. Um, why don't we open our Bibles? I want to get straight into it tonight. 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have a Bible on your phone or you still bring your Bible to church, which is commendable, that would be great. One Corinthians twelve verses one to thirteen. Let's get into the word, and you might want to have this open throughout tonight, just to um, allow this to continue to speak into you as we work through this passage. Um, there's a lot in it. All right. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but it's all many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Amen. Amen. So we're doing this um, great series in the Holy Spirit and we've been exploring how God is still at work today, pouring out His Spirit on all of God's children so that we might have a transformed character in life, that we might be assured of His great love for us. And today we move into this idea that He wants to give you gifts so that you can be useful in the building up of God's, of Christ's church, his body. So we started by reading a chunk of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And it's where we're going to be spending a little bit of time over the coming weeks as we explore the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and specifically, what does the Holy Spirit do when this happens? When, 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 when we gather when we meet together as brothers and sisters, diverse, different backgrounds, different genders, different socioeconomic stuff, but we come together, what does it look like? What does God want to do in our midst when we gather as His church? Now, for some, that's a familiar section of Scripture on the gifts that God gives to His people uh, so that church will be amazing. 
I mean, you want to you want to leave church? Just just we met with God. He was here in our midst. He was moving amongst us. He was touching people's lives. And you know, God's church is amazing. It's global. It's colourful. It's diverse. And I tell you what, when the name of Jesus is preached and made known, that's when amazing things happen. One of the great blessings of my life is I've been able to fellowship, uh, I was reminiscing with Victoria, going to the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York and this 300-person gospel choir and going to St Paul's Cathedral in London and worshipping in a tin shed in the slums of Nairobi. And the thing is, it doesn't matter which of those expressions of church, it's the same Jesus that people are coming together to worship and to experience and to know, and it is the same God who works. You know, I think there was a bit of a collective slump in the shoulders when the census data came out last month in Australia, showing a decline in the amount of people in Australia identifying as Christian. Did you see that? Uh, I think for the first time it's dipped below 50% of people identifying as Christian. Now the reality is church attendance leveled off at about 17% about a decade ago and has begun to grow again, which is wonderful news. But the reality is that we have got lots of work to do. But let me assure you that there's good things happening even in the church of Australia today. Um, you know, there's this Hmong, Hmong, no, that's not how you pronounce it. There are these refugees who come from Cambodia and they're a people group and they've got this church in Melbourne and it's exploding. And you know what the pastor does? When new refugees come to Australia from Cambodia, from this ethnic group, this church picks them up from the airport, takes them back to the church, um, helps them get a job, uh, get a place to live, do they get looked after? And they, they're becoming Christians. And it's the most amazing church. And so church revitalization, church planting, huge things happening even in Australia. But we've got a lot of work to do. Because the church is on the nose in the broader society. And we know the reasons why. But you know what we should be really amazed by is what is happening around the world. Um, Gordon Conwell, a highly respected seminary in the US, put out some key data on what is happening around the world earlier this year. Now firstly, and this may surprise you, but there are fewer atheists in the world today than in 1970. Is that interesting? So there's 2.56 billion people who identify as Christians, 2,560 million people, and there's 147 million who identify as atheists. And in 1970, it was 170 million. So don't worry too much about those angry commenters in the Sydney Morning Herald who think the church is the worst thing and think we're ridiculous and blah, blah, blah. They make up about 1.8% of the world's population and they are declining. <laughs> Just not in Australia, but they are declining. So Christianity is still growing. Consider this. In 2000, just 20 years ago, a bit over 20 years ago, there were 600 million Christians living in Asia and Africa. By 2020, there were 1.1 billion Christians in Africa and Asia. 20 years, 500 million were added. Holy bajoli, Batman. That is some growth. Yeah. Right? That's something to give thanks to God. 
God for? Then specifically to this sermon today, in 1900, there were less than one million people around the world who identified as charismatic, spirit-filled Christians. Right? The Pentecostal church was in its absolute infancy. The projection by 2050, 28 years from now, is that that number will top 1 billion. There will be 1,000 million Pentecostal, charismatic, tongue-speaking Christians. You know, I love this quote. I don't know who said it. but Someone said, what we call Pentecostal in the West, the rest of the world just calls Christianity. So what's behind this stunning growth in a live, spirit-empowered Christianity? Well, I believe there's been a powerful reawakening to what the Scriptures say and promise about the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus. Alive, empowering, transforming the church today. But there's one more step that's important than this. It's not just that we've got theologically got our heads around these promises and that God still wants to work. It's been activation. Ordinary Christians like you and me who now are doing the ministry of Jesus. Meeting in groups, praying prayers of faith for one another, out sharing the gospel, believing that the same ministry of Jesus is available to us today. So as we've collectively experienced a God of power, as he's moved in our churches, he's moved in our lives, that's transforming the church. What a time to be alive. Amen. So I spoke last week about how when the gospel advances in the world, you know, in Bangladesh, in the Ukraine, in that church in Melbourne, here amongst us, it happens through the word and the spirit, through preaching and through demonstrating the kingdom of God, through speaking the truth about Jesus and demonstrating and experiencing the power of Jesus. I came across this verse this week and I'd never noticed it before. Mark 16, 20, the very last verse in Mark's gospel. It says, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. You know, my God, there it is. It's it's everywhere in the scriptures. That as we say something about Jesus, God backs us up. He accompanies us with signs and wonders. He empowers us to do this ministry so that the kingdom of God might move forward, so that no one would be lost and the world might be renewed. And that's what we see in Acts and what we see in church history. So we then mentioned last week that the rational and the transrational, they're not just for evangelism, but they're also powerfully at work when we gather as God's people. When we do this, God is here. Did you feel him in worship? He's he's here, touching every life. So let's have a look at this passage. After all, Paul starts by saying, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So we should probably all get informed. And not be what? Uninformed. (laughs) That's good Bible teaching right there. (laughs) That's world class. All right. And this passage 
The context is that the Corinthian church were elevating certain gifts of the Spirit when they met. And it made their times together a bit of a mess. Particularly it was a gift of tongues that Paul encourages, but he says you shouldn't always be speaking in tongues all at once, sounding like a ch chicken house. You know, he doesn't say that. But, you know, because someone will walk in and just be confused about what is going on. So Paul says, when we gather, when, when God, when, when he's kicking off in supernatural ways, make sure that there's order, make sure that all the diversity of the gifts are being used, and make sure there's clarity, so that if someone walks in tonight, they're not going to go, they're nutters, <laughs> but that they see Jesus at work. Alright, first thing we notice is that no one, verse 3, can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a really important place to start. There are no second class Christians. There's no, it's not like there's tongue speakers and non-tongue speakers, prophetic and non-prophetic. Um, that's just not how it works. The truest mark of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you can make the confession that Jesus is Lord. Yeah, yeah amen. You can only do it if you've got the Holy Spirit. So don't stress if when you read these next bits you think, well, none of that's ever happened through me or around me. The most important mark of the Spirit is your confession of faith. And as Paul will say in chapter 13, that you love others well. You know that passage? Go to a wedding. You'll hear it. All right. Okay, then verse 4 to 6. Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So if you've never heard anything about this mentioned before, you're wondering what on earth we're talking about today. Let me try and explain. The basic idea is that God loves His church. You know, He loves this he loves you and you're a valuable part of it. And he wants to see it filled with the life of Jesus. So to have Jesus present in the church means God empowers us all with gifts. The Greek word for gifts is charismata, from which we get the word charismatic church. Churches that are known as places where the charismata occur, the gifts of the Spirit occur. Says verse 4, but the Spirit distributes gifts, verse 5, that they all come from the Lord. So it's like Jesus is present here tonight. It's not like he is, he is present here tonight. And he's like, you know, remember when I healed? Well, well I want to still see that in the church today. And so he gives that gift to someone. And then the idea is that, say, like Murray gets the gift of healing, that he'd then go pray for someone that they might get healed. Right? So it's a gift that's given to you to give to someone else. And that's the way that Jesus is at work in his church. It's pretty cool. Here's the key verse. Verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All these gifts that Paul is about to mention that are at work when the church gathers together are given that we might be encouraged. That we might walk out from here and go, surely God was amongst us. Surely his spirit was at work touching lives, 
that we might get built up, that we might see the mission and ministry of Jesus continue to occur in our churches today. That's the common good. Who wouldn't want that? And just a quick side note, you know, all these things that are going to get mentioned, all these gifts, we can see at work in the Gospels through Jesus. Words of knowledge. Well, where do you see that? I mean, do you remember Jesus when he meets the woman at the well and he doesn't know her and he says, you've got seven husbands and the man you're with is not your husband now? And she's like, whoa, <laughs> I can see you're a prophet. You know, how do you know that? He had a word of knowledge. And then that opens her up to a gospel conversation. She, she gets saved and then she goes home to her village and tells her entire village that she's met the Messiah. You know, obviously we know Jesus healed. Obviously we know that he did miracles. And, and it's these things that are listed as the gifts of the Spirit that Jesus did that he wants to give to us so that our church might be built up and encouraged. Amen? And yeah, the great thing is, as we're going to see, it's not going to happen through a few holy hucksters in white suits. But it's going to happen through you and me, right? You don't have to do a master's in this. God wants to fill you with his spirit tonight so that you might see the church amazing and built up and encouraged. So verses 8 to 11, he then lists a whole bunch of gifts, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation, and so on. It's not a comprehensive list. In Romans 12, when he's talking about the body again, he mentions a lot of these gifts, but then also serving, teaching, encouragement, generosity, and mercy. And the key, according to Paul, is that it's not like we're just all going to get the gift of prophecy or all get the gift of tongues or all get the gift of miraculous powers, but that all of these gifts will be given to someone and there will be this great diversity of gifts all at work, like a body with many different parts operating together. Does that make sense? Um, I think the next slide, Gussie, I found Gordon Fee helpful on this. He, he puts the gifts together. He says, gifts are instruction that you might get wisdom and, and supernatural knowledge about someone or something. Gifts of supernatural power. Faith that would move mountains. Healings, miracles, and then gifts of inspired utterance that you might prophesy, that you might pray in the tongues of angels, that you might be able to interpret that so the church can be built up. Um, I love it. Who was here on Wednesday night? Were there some people here? Obviously, they're still recovering. Um, we, we had an amazing night of worship here on Wednesday. You know, Ollie and Joey were leading us and, you know, it's just a beautiful time of worship and the Spirit of God was at work. But the thing that I was so encouraged by was that I just saw these gifts of the Spirit in operation. You know, I saw people giving words of knowledge, uh, giving encouragement to people that they believe they've received from God. You know, just quietly go out and lay a hand. Like, yeah, just, just look. Might be lunch, but I feel like the Lord is saying to me, and then just, just something to encourage them and build them up. 
I saw people praying in tongues, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Old Johnny Boy was having a wild old time. <laughs> saw people praying for healing. And I tell you, happy pastor. Happy pastor. Because, you know, here's the thing. I love my job. And, you know, I do love to talk. I do love to get up here. But it would be super stupid and, to be honest, super boring if it was just me talking each week. It's much more exciting when we all get to play. We all get to play. So go looking for ministry. Ask the Lord, what gift might you be giving to me? And then have a go. Have a go. And just go up to someone. Pray for them. Pray a prayer of faith. Ask the Lord, what are you wanting to encourage this person with? And pray that into their lives. Say something. Something will happen. Say nothing. Nothing will happen. I don't know about you, but always around summer, I always find myself wanting to play cricket. Uh, I think I'm getting more, I'm going to become one of those old guys who's just obsessed with cricket. (laughs) Who just knows stats and weird stuff. Victoria is so not interested on the deepest, most profound level. <laughs> but I just met Scotty a few years ago. He called me up. He said, Ian's friends are playing cricket in the nets. Do I want to come? I don't think I'd roll the arm over in about 10 years. I went down, immediately brought on my medium fast. Third ball, shoulder is blown out. I thought, going to bat, I start batting a little bit. Throw my back out. And Victoria and I went and saw that Churchill movie a few years ago that night. And and we came out of the cinema. And by the time the movie had finished, my body had completely seized up. And I had to walk like this (laughs) all the way to the car. Now, stretching the analogy. It's fine to be a fan of Jesus. But what he is calling us to do is to come and play in the game with him. Amen. And a bit like cricket, if you haven't had a go in a while, you might be a bit pained or a bit fearful. But but that's where the action is. That's where the life is. Right? It's in the game. It's not on the sidelines. I see so many people wander off from the Christian faith, not because the gospel ceases to be amazing, but because they just... It's not a big enough story for them. But this is a big story. God's wanting to save. He's wanting to heal. He's wanting to mend broken hearts. He's wanting to make people whole. He's wanting to give them purpose. And you can be a part of ministry and doing that. Mike Pilavachi used to say, church is like a football match. 22,000 people desperately in need of some exercise, watching 22 people desperately in need of a rest. <laughs> right? That's good, right? And we've got to flip this. You know, my job is to encourage you to get you guys going. So at the end of services, so in your workplaces, in your schools, that you might start to do the works of Jesus. Amen? All right, final thing tonight. How does this happen? Verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. <sighs> Two suggestions. You've got to be a part of the body. John Wimber used to say, we've got all this teaching. How do we get it into our chubby little legs? <laughs> and so that we get into the action. He used to say, the Western church is not dying from a lack of information. It is dying from a lack of obedience to doing the stuff. And you have a role to play in Jesus' glorious, grand mission of bringing salvation to the world. It might be in business, it might be in education, health, it might be in your trade. But you know, really this is a sermon on the church. So let me just say this. You know, we can do this on a Sunday. Join a team. Um, you can pray at the front or you can pray at the end of the service for someone. Use the gifts God's given to you. You know, join the youth team, serve the kids, be in the worship, welcome someone, invite someone around to dinner who maybe doesn't have a lot of friends after a service. Show incredible generosity. Be merciful to someone who you see is struggling. Be the body. And here's the thing, right? I, you know, I want to say this. The best place to really get going and using the gifts that God will empower you with is in your life group. Okay? This is a bit limited what we're doing here. And I like my job, so I'm going to keep talking. But, but you know, in life groups, you get to have a go. Can I encourage every single one of you to make sure that you are connected to a life group. You know, you may not get there every time it's on, but at least be in the WhatsApp group. Okay? But when you gather in smaller groups, that's a time to give it a go. You know, next time Young Adults is on, or the, the older Young Adults, or the Dads, or the Mums, or the, the, the Mums with Bubs groups, or whatever the group is, have a go. Share a teaching. Yeah? Um, pray for someone who's sick. Wait on the Lord. Ask them to give you a word of knowledge or encouragement that you can then pray into someone's life. So do yourself a favor. Get in the body. Join a life group. Join a church. Doesn't have to be this one. Lots of great churches. You know, this is the best church, though, in William Street in Fairlight. Amen. This is the number one church in William Street in Fairlight. All right, final thing tonight. It says drink from the Spirit. Drink from the Spirit. Do you want to get equipped to do this work? Verse 13 says we we're all given the one Spirit to drink. You know, I saw God moving powerfully last Wednesday, but it came from that time of worship and, and people engaging with God and being asked to be filled with His Spirit. And it just bubbles up and things begin to happen. Um, you know, I just want to mark something tonight. Nicky Gumball at HTV in London had a massive impact on my life and ministry. He retired from the ministry this, uh, this last weekend. And about 30, 40 years ago, at one particular service, he was overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was John Wimber was at the meeting. And as John Wimber was at this meeting and, and, and Nicky was being overwhelmed with the Spirit of God, Wimber had never met him. Wimber, he said, drag that guy, get him out of here because he was making a bit of a ruckus, and he said evangelism. 
on that guy's life is evangelism. And now 40 million people around the world have done the Alpha Course. Right? That's how it begins to happen. We get filled with the Spirit. We drink from the Spirit. And the God enables us. Let's stand. I've talked enough. Come on. Let's do it.